Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Before the episode, let me quickly tell you about my new book. It's titled Measures of Success. It's a book that will help you react less to your performance metrics, every up and down in those. It'll help you lead better. It'll help you improve more. So you can learn more about the book by going to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com or you can search Amazon. It's available as a print book, a Kindle book. It's available through Apple Books. I hope you'll check it out. Hi, this is Mark Raven. If you like this podcast, you might realize I have a blog, leanblog.org. Did you also know that I have another podcast called Lean Blog Audio? And there I basically, occasionally, or as often as I can, I read audiobook style versions of blog posts. So you can go to leanblog.org slash audio or search in your favorite podcast place for Lean Blog Audio. I hope that'll give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Raven. Welcome to episode 204 of the podcast for July 17th, 2014. My guest today is Paul Plesik, and we're talking about his uh, excellent book that's titled Accelerating Healthcare Transformation with Lean and Innovation, the Virginia Mason Experience. Virginia Mason is, of, of course, Virginia Mason Medical Center, uh, an outstanding lean healthcare organization. Uh, Paul's book is a Shingo Research Award recipient. Um, we were both at uh, the award ceremony in Ohio back in May. And um, I think we have a really good discussion today. You know, Paul is going to talk about a number of topics, including how lean and innovation go together in an organization like Virginia Mason and how that can apply uh, to you. Uh, he's going to talk about how an organization and individuals can learn to be innovative. And we're also going to talk about um, the health system board's role in uh, creating an innovation and improvement strategy. So I, I think You'll enjoy this discussion and uh, the book. Um, you can find links to Paul's website and the book uh, if you go to Lean Podcast slash 204. Thanks for listening. Well, Paul, hi. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. How are you? Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm, uh, I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Um, well, can you start off, uh, you know, for listeners who, who don't yet know your book and your work, can you kind of introduce yourself and, uh, and your own professional background for us? Uh, yeah, I'm an engineer by background, uh, electrical and systems engineering. Started off my life uh, in AT&T Bell Laboratories, where I learned a lot about uh, innovation and uh, left there in the mid 80s uh, to go off on my own as a management consultant and worked with a variety of companies. Uh, but in the late 80s, I met Don Berwick uh, and, and others, and, and four or five of us started what became the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And I became really fascinated with taking what I knew and learned as an engineer and, and, and bringing it into the world, world of healthcare. And so since the late 80s, my work's been almost exclusively with, with healthcare organizations. Um, I have clients across the U.S., uh, Europe, UK, UK, Scandinavia, and uh, uh, Asia-Pacific region. And I enjoy the travel. I enjoy uh, I enjoy uh, seeing all the different organizational forms and all the different ways that organizations play themselves out, um, and 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 just really enjoy that uh, enjoy that life. I I describe my work as trying to help organizations think better. That's my that's that's what I think I do. Yeah. Well, and I didn't realize uh, even though 
read uh, good chunks of the book here. I didn't make the connection or didn't remember the connection to IHI and uh, and Don Berwick. So, you know, kind of hearkening back to the, the, the title of the book here, the need for healthcare transformation. I guess this is something that you and, and Don Berwick and, and people have been looking at for uh, a long time now, right? I mean, uh, tell yeah, us. I, you know, I remember the early, uh, the, the very first courses we had and Don would always give, give the starting off lecture and he would talk about how, uh, and this was in the late eighties talking about how the, the whole, the whole system was just unsustainable and, and we had to make massive, massive transformational change. It's been a whole lot slower than any mm -hmm. of us ever imagined it would be. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I, but I think the urgency has just gotten, gotten more and more the pressure and the need for transformation is, uh, is even greater today than it was, was 20 years ago. Yeah. I think, uh, it's boy to, uh, to, to say the least. And, um, so, you know, one of those organizations that is, is, that has been doing so much and I've really admired for a long time, uh, doing so much to help transform healthcare is Virginia Mason Medical Center in, um, Seattle, of course, uh, the, the, the subject of your book here. Um, can you talk a little bit about the story behind the book? How did you maybe first off, how did you get connected uh, with the folks at Virginia Mason to, uh, to be working with them or studying them? Yeah, uh, back in the early 90s, uh, the, the, the leadership then invited Don Berwick and I to come out and, and teach some really basic quality improvement courses. And we did. And they uh, we we actually developed some training material for them, which they took on on their own. And I think they they use those basic those basic methods through the 90s. Uh, then in the late 90s uh, uh, and, and we kind of lost I lost touch with them. Uh, in the late 90s, they had a couple of years of, of, of negative margin, and, uh, and Gary Kaplan, it's, uh, uh, it was kind of a classic meeting of all the leadership, clinical and administrative, and he said, uh, he said, we either change or we die. And so they decided to search for a, a, a different management method, a different way to approach problems and issues and opportunities in the organization, and uh, came across lean thinking. Uh, uh, it was a chance occurrence. The, the president of the hospital, Mike Rona, was seated uh, on an airplane uh, across country with, a, with John Black, who's an author in this area. And uh, they really, Virginia Mason really, really, really embraced lean thinking as, a, as an approach to removing the waste out of, uh, out of, out of their operations. Along with that, the, the strategic plan uh, uh, and input from the board they, they wanted to also be highly innovative, and and so there was this there was a little bit of a clash between can you be lean and innovative, and and there's uh, basically kind of three what I think we've proven and what I think the book book proves are myths. Uh, you know, there's a myth that that lean thinking methods are about widgets and healthcare is about people, and therefore it doesn't it doesn't translate. That's a myth. Uh, uh, there's a myth that says. Uh, Lean thinking has standard work, and that's that's by definition anti-creative. Because if if you have to do it do it standard way, it's anti-creative. That's a myth. And uh, a third one is that uh, that lean's uh, uh, emphasis on efficiency ignores the human dimension of of things, and healthcare is all about about the human dimension. I think we've proven that to be be a myth. And so the book is about. They they invited me back in two thousand and three. And asked me if I would uh, would assume a role, which they they call the chair of innovation, which means I visit with them uh, four or five times a year uh, uh, and work with them to to integrate creative thinking and innovation methods into their lean lean work. And uh, and the book basically is the story of that of that ten plus years of 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 effort to 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 meld the two to marry marry innovation and uh, and lean. Yeah, and and two thousand and three. I mean that was right about. 
the beginning of, of their work with Lean, the development of the Virginia Mason production system, right? Yeah, they they actually started their first project was in late 2001. And so like most organizations, they they started off slow, one or two projects because it was a big deal and, and uh, a big mindset change. And then a few more projects the following year. And in 2003, they were really, uh, really just kind of starting to ramp up and saying, yeah, I think this could work. I think this is good stuff. We should be doing this across the across the medical center, uh, which which, by the way, is both a hospital and uh, outpatient clinic operations, so it's a it's it, it's a truly uh, uh, complete kind of medical center uh, setting. Yeah, and um, my, uh, those uh, th- I'm glad you talked about those three myths. Um, those are still even here in 2014. You know, I think pretty um, often thrown around. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the, if you will. Um, Resistance to lean. I, I think the word resistance is kind of a loaded term, but the um, you know when when people are, are coming out publicly as somehow opposed to lean healthcare, they're really usually coming out being opposed to one of those three myths. And I, I think mm. that's where we would all have a lot of agreement um, that yeah, we're we're all opposed to those bad things and those you know misperceptions of lean. You know that maybe just come from the word or from not really knowing what it's about, or even thinking about some of the history in healthcare of other things that would be "quote unquote" anti-creative that that people have been subjected to. Um, I mean, how often do you find people are kind of reacting to you know things that healthcare management has done in the past as opposed to you know these new ideas of lean? Oh, that that is a huge issue in healthcare. Healthcare people have such incredibly long memories because most of the <laughs> most of the uh, of, of the kind of middle managers and frontline staff, nurses, doctors, and things in a healthcare organization ha- have lived through three or four senior leadership teams, you know, senior leadership teams in many healthcare organizations come, come through a revolving door. And, and, uh, and, and, and they've also lived through three or four kind of merger and acquisition things. And they, they still identify themselves with the, with the such and such hospital, which doesn't exist anymore. It's part it, that, that hospital is actually part of some larger system, but they don't identify with the, with the larger system. No, I think, uh, I think, uh, I, I, and, and it's one of the problems with, with improvement work in healthcare. I think people, there's there's such a uh, surfs up kind of mentality, you, you know, TQM, reengineering, uh, uh, whatever, uh, 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 lean, uh, and everybody says, oh, that's the thing to do. Let's do it. They don't they don't necessarily understand it very well. They don't do it very well. They don't understand it deeply enough to do it, but they quickly decide, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> and, and, right. and, and so there, there builds up in the organizational culture this idea of, oh, it's just another thing. They'll they'll forget about it a year from now. You know, and, and uh, th- that is a that is a huge issue in healthcare organizations that, that I don't yeah. think is quite the same in in other uh, other industries. Well, I mean, I think other industries, you know, have that you know, if you will, program of the month mentality. I, I, I think mm-hmm. there's you know, kind of two views. If if people are skeptical or opposed to lean, they'll say, okay, well, let's just wait this out because it'll go away. Um, yeah. what, what I've seen happen a lot though is that you know, nurses and frontline staff. Get exposed to lean. They're excited about it. They're they're excited about um, the opportunity to be involved and, and and the improvements or maybe you know some of those early experiments are leading to good things. And then they're they're very much concerned that it'll be a program of the month. Or I've had you know a lot of frontline staff will ask, you know, how do I know our leaders are really committed to this? They're not going to get bored. They're not going to move on. I mean, you know, I think they're they're really scared that if there's good things happening, that it's going to fade away. 
Yeah, it's what uh, it's what Debbie was Deming told us uh, what 50, 60 years ago. Con- establish constancy of purpose, mm-hmm. and that's that's probably the most <laughs> that's probably the most difficult thing for for any organization to do is to establish constancy of purpose. Yeah. Well, so um, let, let's come back maybe to the topic of innovation um, before we, you know we talk about lean and innovation going together. What, what's your succinct definition of innovation? I think you know the the word gets thrown around a lot as a buzzword, and companies say we want to be innovative. Okay, well, what what does that mean? If, how, how would you explain it? What um, should it mean? A succinct definition that we use 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 at the Virginia Medicine Medical Center is directed creativity implemented. And, and so there's 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 each of those three words is kind of important. I'll start from the back. Uh, it's got to be implemented. And I think that's where lean is an excellent system for for implementing, for testing and implementing uh, new ideas. Uh, uh, the difference between innovation and and incremental improvement is that is that innovation has a sense of creativity about it. It's it's novel. It's new and surprising in some way. Uh, it's also useful. Uh, it may involve involve connecting things together that have never been connected before. And so, uh, so the Virginia Mason was one of the first places in the country to establish a drive-through flu shot clinic, which is just just a connection of something that's very common in the fast food industry with something that is needed in the uh, uh, in the healthcare world. So, so that creativity that kind of connects things that you don't normally think of as 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 connected and then the first word directed uh uh yeah you can do innovation by saying oh we'll just take all any 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 creative ideas you got we'll just kind of do do it but but then you're kind of pulling in 15 directions at once you you you, you might not get anywhere so having some strategic focus to it we want to be innovative on, on in these topics in these in these areas and we're going to we're going to purposefully set out to come up with some some novel approaches to these things Yes, we'll incrementally improve the way we have always done it. We should always be doing that, taking the waste out and making it a little bit better. But, but in parallel with that, let's let's think about blowing it up and imagining it in in a completely different way. So, I, so innovation has has all three of those uh, of those characteristics, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think that that idea of creating something new, of of, of being novel and um... And, and, and creative uh, people often give lean or you know think they're kind of unfair and saying well you know, lean is just about tweaking what you've already got and I say well no if you look at you know very you know kind of formal structured lean methodologies around doing um, you know the the space design and the process design for a new hospital tower it's very much um, I think a, a process for innovation and, and again I guess that phrase might strike people as odd how do you have a process for innovation it doesn't just oh. happen right Oh, I don't think uh, I, I think if you talk to people in general industry about having a process for innovation, they would say, well, of course, you have to have a process for innovation. I mean, you know, I learned about, as I said, I learned about innovation in Bell Laboratories, uh, AT&T. We had a very definite process for innovation. We had targeted areas that we were we were working on. We generated lots of ideas. You presented those ideas to a, a, a steering group, uh, what, what's called a stage gate process. So you have a stage in which your idea generating and you go through the gate which is to say, here's the things we've thought of and here's what we think are promising and let's get some feedback on that and, 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 and are any of these promising enough to establish some resources to it and then you develop it further. Now, I think there's a very deliberate process of innovation and, and, and anyone who thinks that, that innovation in, uh, in successful companies just happens out of the blue uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't really understand the history of innovation and the, and the process of, of, of innovation. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we see similar things, you know, for those who talk about the lean startup movement, there's kind of a mythology that, well, startups just happen, that people just have this amazing idea. And, you know, when when there's actually, um, you know, a lot of structure and methodology um, around, um, you know, understanding your customer and, and testing ideas and validating ideas. And it's usually not that first spark of an idea that that goes to market that that there's structure around you know that very creative process of entrepreneurial innovation as well so i see some kind of common themes there yeah yeah that's 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 definitely true I'll, uh 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 i'm working here in d um, i'm actually in an office in dc doing this uh this uh the this this podcast with you uh and uh, one of the organizations here is uh, a thing called 1776 it's a a, a startup incubator and you talk to the to the entrepreneurs uh, in there that are working on various things, and they've 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 done a heck of a lot of thinking and a heck of a lot of market research, and really, uh, you know, getting out with with people to say what is the real need and what what might we be able to offer uh, to to fill a need. Otherwise, you've just got an idea that's in search of a need. And and sometimes I, I guess you could get lucky. I guess you could get lucky. You could come up with an idea that that, uh, that uh, and and it and it finds a it finds a need. But I, I don't think that's the usual approach. I think I think the usual approach starts from understanding the needs of the customer and what would be value for the customer, which is of course a, a key uh, a key principle in lean. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. You know, talking more about Virginia Mason and and back to your definition of innovation. This idea of directed creativity that's implemented what are some of the you know the high level management processes or practices that are in place to help kind of create that proper direction to the goals and strategies and the things that Virginia Mason is trying to accomplish through their mission or annual objectives or things like that well it starts it starts all the way from the top with the with the board i mean the the, um, the Virginia Mason has had a single strategic plan since 2001 i think when they when they came up with it it's a one one sheet of paper it's a pyramid basically and at the top of the pyramid is the patient and uh what they say is uh uh innovation change improvement everything we do is about achieving the perfect patient experience so that so that clarity of goal it's all about the perfect patient experience uh uh and and then that that trickles through th- through a kind of a Hoshin planning uh, process that they have t- to set annual sub goals uh, and and pick pick topic areas. So so they might be they might be working for a year or two on transitions of care from from out of the hospital to home, or or working on uh, uh, eliminating 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 delirium uh, in uh, in patients, or 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 or, or, or the orthopedic surgery pathway from 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 the first first clinic visit all the all the way to the uh return to function so they 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 pick processes and systems and topic areas on an annual basis sometimes it gets picked and then it's and it's worked on for two or three years and and those become the focus of of we really want to make some breakthrough ideas here we really want to try to change some things and make things and make things different here and then that that gets translated into a, a whole series of uh, week-long rapid process improvement workshops, or or two or three day day kaizen events, and and local uh, and local events. So lean becomes the way, the mechanism by which they they um, they test and, and implement uh, new ideas. So it's a it's a it's it's a very structured process that aligns the organization 
uh, up and down. It's not a top-down process, although I described it that way. It's it's a it's it's a it's 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 a declaration of a direction we're trying to go, a goal we're trying to reach, and and the bottom up is well here's some ideas that we have about how we can make the perfect patient experience. So here we've observed patients moving through our cancer our cancer center, and uh, and here's what we've observed that we need to change in that if we were going to really have a perfect perfect patient experience. And then and then senior leadership saying, if, if that's what we need to do, that's what we need to do. We'll, we'll, we'll find the resources, the budget, uh, the, whatever it takes to make, make that transformation happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's more and more organizations in healthcare that are, you know, trying to adopt some of the, the tactics of Hoshin planning or strategy deployment. I, what it seems a bit more unusual in, in is, is that commitment that that constancy of purpose, if you will, around a goal is clear and is, you know, far, you know, kind of you know, setting a stake in the ground to say perfect patient experience. I mean, that that guidepost seems like it's a really important part of the process that it's that it's constant and it, there's not a different theme each year that that the organization is whipping around. Right. I mean, that that that. that Commitment is pretty serious and, and pretty consistent at Virginia Mason, right? Yeah, it certainly is, and and uh, uh, the best I've seen at it, uh, and 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 seeing lots of other organizations who I think struggle, it, it uh, an element of that struggle, a common element of that struggling to 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 improve and transform is is constantly shifting goals. One year it's about patient experience, or the next year it's about cost cutting and. Uh, the next year it's about people development or whatever else they they can't they can't take and and Virginia Mason works on all of those things but they consider them sub goals to the ultimate goal of the perfect patient experience so uh, so if I'm working on on staff development people development respect for people or those kinds of things it's because I'm trying to create an organization that that has members of staff who are 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 capable and 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 uh, uh, and competent and 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 desirous of producing a perfect patient experience. If I'm working on financial uh, things, it's because I'm trying to get the waste out of the system so that I can I can provide the patient a more value added a value added stay. Uh, you know all all these things that the patient wouldn't pay for if we charge them for it. If we ask them to pay pay to wait in the waiting room. Would they pay? And they said, "No, I don't want them to pay to wait in the waiting room." So why do we make make them wait wait in the waiting room? Let's 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 get that out. And and oh, by the way, we save a lot of floor space. And and uh, uh, you know, da da da. We 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 meet our financial goals. Now, looking back, um, you know, from I guess you know the beginning of your involvement in two thousand three to today, um, how how would you say Virginia Mason? would characterize uh, being more innovative? How much more innovative are they today in terms of the problems that they're solving, the new things they're creating today compared to before? Um, I, I think they would say that it's a continuous journey. I, I think what they, what they find is what most organizations find, that, uh, that the more you do, the more you see you could do. You know, it, it is that it is that peeling of the onion, or that uh, that working down the iceberg, or, or whatever whatever metaphor you want to you want to use. Uh, I I think I think they would say that the language of innovation is much more common in the organization now. They they don't hear uh, the the oh uh, 
you know, standard work is anti-innovation. And, and in fact, there's a number of quotes in the book from 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 senior physicians and and uh, and uh, and managers saying just the opposite. That what they find is that actually by by doing standard work on the things that are routine, it gives them more time to think of the other stuff <laughs> that they could actually trans- transform and improve. So I think they've made a great deal of progress in just making it. Uh, Making it a part of the culture of the organization that that uh, that they that that they strive for innovation and that and that they're um, that that they're uh, that they're prepared for it and they're always striving they're always looking for it they're always looking for a way to do it different than they have before it's uh, there's not as much as much challenge of oh, oh oh we're healthcare we have to do it this way we've always done it that way that that kind of conversation doesn't happen all that much at, at VM anymore. Yeah. I mean, the, there's, there's sort of, it sounds like a transition to the more positive language. I mean, a really fundamental yeah. level of how, how do we make this happen as opposed to here's all the reasons why that we can't. I mean, I think a lot of organizations have that self fulfilling, self defeating, defeating prophecy where they, they won't talk about perfect patient experience. They won't talk about zero harm because they say, well, that's not possible. That'll demoralize people. When I think, it can actually be quite inspiring to have goals like that, right? Yeah, exactly. The Virginia Mason folks think that 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 energizes people, and they've got uh, example after example of where they are now hitting a hundred percent compliance or zero percent uh, error in things uh, because people have come up with uh, simple uh, yet yet novel ways of making sure that uh, making sure that happens. And I mean, it seems like the other thing that makes that energizing is. I think, you know, uh, hearkening back to, to Dr. Deming that, you know, uh, it's not just a slogan. They're not just putting up posters that say perfect patient experience. That, I mean, there, there's a lot of action behind this. There's a lot of action behind the, the, the work towards zero defects in, 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 in supportive ways. Right. Yeah. And, and in both on, on both sides of the coin, they they tell the story of, of ways that they have made the experience better and they tell the story of ways in which it still goes wrong and things happen. They're very transparent uh, 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 about uh, about errors and mistakes and things that happen. Uh, uh, they have a stop the line process. Any mm-hmm. any Virginia Mason associate can stop the line, basically call call a patient safety alert for anything that they suspect uh, might be a potential harm or or a safety thing. And that's a common practice. Uh, an administrator on call comes down to the work on the gimba uh, within within a few minutes. It's a very positive discussion. Uh, uh, there's no stigma associated with it. So they're, uh, they're it's it's a they it, it, it's something that's in the culture and and talked about day in and day out. So that it's right. it's just happening all the time. So. Um... One other thing I'd like to come back to, you know, this idea of um, a, a process of innovation. Uh, I, I would assume then that it's possible for an organization or individuals to learn how to be more innovative. I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, so, so again, if it's directed creativity implemented, the directed part comes from comes from a project definition. Uh, so that's that's often done before you 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 assemble a team. The implemented part is uh, is lean, you know, PDSA t- thinking and, th- and those kinds of things. So focusing in on on can you teach people to be creative? And the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, there are dozens and dozens of tools uh, for for 
for getting getting people to come up come up with creative ideas. They're based on three simple principles or three simple mental actions: attention, escape, and movement. You pay attention to something that's in the environment that you might not have noticed before, or paid much attention to. Uh, you escape. Uh, you escape the way you currently do things. You escape your industry and say, "How how do others do it?" And then you move in a brainstorming sort of sense to say, "Let's let's generate seven, ten ideas on this." Uh, we're not looking for one idea. We're looking for you know, you're looking for 10 or 15 and you can teach each of those mental actions to people pretty easily and facilitate them in creative thinking exercises. It's uh, it's not difficult. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of lean methodology around that, 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 that guided brainstorming. If you look at, um, you know, lean design or quote unquote three P initiatives, mm-hmm. there's always a lot of focus around brainstorming, you know, seven or eight possible layouts, not just the first one you think of, um, I think sometimes people in lean would call this set based design, you know, this idea of um, you know, sort of trying to stretch the boundaries. I often prompt teams to try to come up with something that's intentionally silly and outlandish because there might be something that's learned from that, even if it's not practical. I think as we're as we're brainstorming and, and iterating and experimenting, I think a lot of times people that have, have, have that really superficial understanding of lean, like you said, they think it's all about you know, structure and doing things the same way. And they, they don't see some of the methods there for that creativity. But, but it's got to be more than just brainstorming. Mm-hmm. You can come up with seven ways to arrange, uh, arrange a layout. Uh, uh, and, and, and you look at it and you realize all seven of them still have a waiting, a waiting room and a receptionist and, uh, right. uh, and, the, and those kinds of things. So, so in addition to the the movement, let, let's let's come up with seven ways. The attention and escape is just as important. So you so you throw out a, 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 a provocation. It's called in, in the creativity literature, and say you know there's a highly infectious disease that, that there's that there's no there's no cure for, and it is now illegal. It's a, a federal law was just passed. You can't have more than two people in a space uh, at the same time, which means we can't have a waiting room. Uh, how are we going to handle flow through our clinic you know so so you just take you take the waiting room off the table you pay attention to the fact that you always have a waiting room you escape it you throw it off the table and say now now give me a design and and that and that throws them into a different mode of saying hmm I've got to really think about this yeah let's they'll 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 punch a kiosk when they enter the in, enter the parking lot and that way we'll know that they're coming so we'll pull their medical record and as they walk in the door we'll we'll already have them uh, assigned to a to a uh, exam room space, just the same way that that a rental car company already has your car uh, in a space and tells you which which space it's in. So they go into their own their own room and oh, while they're in there, they could watch some videos because we know that there's a diabetic in room seven. Let's let's run some diabetic nutrition videos in that in in that room while the, while they're in there. Yeah. So so it, once you give them the provocation, healthcare people are incredibly creative at, at dealing with a crisis. Mm. So so. So make up a crisis, <laughs> like, <laughs> like we can. We can have a waiting room, and it's amazing the the ways they'll come up with. And then they step back and go, you know, actually we could do some of that. We we, we could really do some of that, couldn't we? Yeah. And so and so the Kirkland Clinic uh, at 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 Virginia Mason has no waiting rooms. There there are no waiting rooms. It's a clinic, and it it doesn't have a waiting room. It's got some space. It's got a Starbucks in there and all that kind of stuff. If you happen to show up early, you've got some, <laughs> something you can do. Right. But but there is no waiting space. You you flow through the clinic. Yeah. Well, and and 
it's really exciting to see what what uh, you know innovators like Virginia Mason um, are, are doing to you know challenge the way it's always been done. We have to have a waiting room, and instead of saying let's make it nicer and more comfortable, let's 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 blow up that old assumption and and do without. Uh, maybe you know, as as we start to wrap up here. Um, one thing you mentioned in the book, Paul, are um, you know, seven dimensions of culture at Virginia Mason and, and supporting innovation. Is maybe just you know because lack of time and you know people should go buy the book and, and read the whole thing. What is there? Is there one key dimension of culture that you think is um, you know, particularly unique or interesting uh, that, that we could talk yeah. about here? I'm often asked that question, and and I, and, I, and I wish I could give the the answer that is desired, and 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 tell you, yeah, there's there's one that there's one that matters. But all the research suggests that, that all seven are kind mm, of important. Okay. You have to be willing to take risk. You have to have some resources and some uh, and some tools for innovation. You have to share information widely. You have to set some targets and directions for for innovation. You have to have recognition uh, of of innovation, and then you have to build relationships such that people can brainstorm. Uh, from diverse idea points. If you put a bunch of doctors in a room together, you're going to get a doctor-based idea about what to do next. You put a bunch of nurses in, a, you're going to get a nurse-based idea. If you put doctors and nurses and housekeepers and patients and 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 uh, and some teenage kids in a room, uh, you could come up with something that no one of them could have come up with. But you can only do that if there's a respectful uh, environment in that uh, in that in that space. So all of those things are part of the are part of the culture of innovation and and. And they all they all have to be in place if you if you're going to be a highly innovative organization. Yeah. Well, um, maybe as we wrap up here, Paul, if you, if you can tell people where they can learn more about the book and your own work. Again, the book is uh, Accelerating Healthcare Transformation with Lean and Innovation, the Virginia Mason Experience. Um, where, where should people go look, Paul? Uh, I have a website we, which has all my contact details and some uh, and, and some other materials up on it. It's uh, www.directedcreativity. That's all one word. Directedcreativity.com, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's it, it's my name, Paul Plesic, just as one thing. The last name is a is an interesting spelling. <laughs> it's, it's P L S. So that's three consonants in a row. P L S E K. But Paul Plesic. Uh, at Twitter, uh, at Paul Plesic on Twitter, will uh, will link you in. Okay, well, I hope people will check that out. And again, if uh, people go to the show notes, the blog post for this episode, they'll find uh, you'll you'll find links to um, all of that. So, um, really fascinating stuff. I'm I'm glad, Paul, that you're highlighting you know the topic of of lean and innovation and helping people and, and healthcare organizations uh, see the connections and and how this goes hand in hand. Do you, do you have any final thoughts um, on on that topic to leave us with? No, I think I I, I think this uh, I hope this is our last wave of of, of yet another set of uh, methodologies that are going to save healthcare. I, 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 you know, the, let's stop let's stop messing around and let's let's pick a methodology and let's do it deeply and, and make it and make it happen. Uh, we're all getting older, uh, uh, and and we're all going to depend on the healthcare system in the future. And if it's uh, if it's still as wasteful and uh, uh, error prone as it is as it is 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 today, that's a sad uh, that's a sad commentary. Yeah, well, we've got to uh, we've got to get get it done. And I'm glad Virginia Mason has that that constancy of purpose, and they're setting a great example for others. So thank you, Paul, for sharing that uh, in in the book and uh, in our discussion today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. 
For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.